the Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well-designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The New Orleans Welcome to In The Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to the bonus episode of In The Know. Uh, we're trying to deliver some extra episodes uh, here and there uh, this season and as we go forward. So enjoy this one in which we will touch upon everything Zion Williamson and talk about the Pelicans playoff odds. So let's talk about Zion. The Pelicans have released a few reports that they – Anticipated him being ready soon. They want him to go through a few practices. He went through his first practice this past Thursday with the Pelicans. He's been doing on-court work. There was extensive videos of him throwing down dunks in L.A. at Staples Center before the game. He seems to be moving well. They worked with his kinetic chain to get everything right. And he essentially has to go through three or four practices with the team and then take an assessment, which was a baseline that was determined in the preseason after the Jazz game. So once he meets that baseline, he will be ready to go. We think it's going to be sometime in the middle of January. And uh, yeah, so Zion, Zion's on his way back. And that raises a lot of questions. Namely, we'll start with this one, Mason. What happens to the starting lineup? Um, so there's two options here. Um, well, I guess there's three, if you think the Pelicans are going to ease Zion along slowly and not put him in the starting lineup from day one, which is certainly a possibility. Um, I could see them for the first game or two, bringing Zion off the bench just to get him 
acclimated. But I could also see Gentry wanting to try to get some re- recreate some stability in the rotations and get him where he wants to get him from day one. Um, so, it, it, I mean, really comes down to it's JJ Redick or Lonzo Ball, right? I mean, one of those two guys coming out because it's not going to be Favors, it's not going to be Brandon Ingram, it's not going to be Drew. So, you, you sure it's not going to be Brandon Ingram? <laughs> Listen, that's a Hold throwback on. to the the beginning of the season. If you if you guys are listening, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'll take the L on that one uh, in, in perpetuity. I've, I've been taking the L on that all season, and so that's fine. But um, <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I think you're – I mean, to me, it, it's Lonzo. You, you take him out of the starting lineup. And this doesn't mean – I'm not trying to cut Lonzo's minutes in half by any stretch, but I just think that you need, especially when you're adding in another non-shooter, which Zion is at this point, uh, into the lineup, you've got to have a guy like J.J. spacing the floor, a guy who can get who – can, who can – who moves the way JJ does off the ball and is a guy that defenses always have to know where he is because he can knock down a shot from anywhere. I think that's so critical when you have a team of, of really, I mean, Ingram's done a lot better from three point range, obviously. So you have a little bit more shooting than maybe you thought you had going into the season. Um, but I still think that JJ is critical to keeping the offense, uh, you know, afloat, especially, you know, as we talked about in our last podcast, um, how bad this team has been in the half court. Uh, so I mean, to me, it's you move Lonzo to the bench. You obviously still try to give him minutes with the starters, um, but I like I like the idea of making him your sixth man and so giving him a good chunk of minutes. But just you know, maybe he's not a starter anymore. So that that feels like the move I would make, um, and I think that's what Gentry will do. But I'm not I'm not positive. I mean, it, it's it depends on where they you know what their what the end goal is, uh, and are they is is Lonzo a piece moving forward? Uh, is he the guy they're they may, they're trying to build up trade value for because they're not sure if he's going to be a long term fit with the rest of this team? And if that's the case, do you try to give him a, a role with this in the starting lineup? I don't know, but I I would say long winded answer, but I would say it's Lonzo who comes out of the starting lineup. Yeah, and I think I would agree for the most part. I would say Lonzo would be the first person in. I would sub honestly. I would sub Drew out first, put Lonzo in there, and I'd sub Favors out. Maybe put Jackson in there to create Alonzo Alonzo favorable lineup that is very athletic and can run and kind of allows him to do Lonzo things. And so, you, you know, you essentially have Zion and Jax manning the front court. You have a shooter in JJ and you can sub him out for Moore or Hart or whatever. And then Ingram and, and Lonzo who have chemistry already. So that, that would be the, the stagger structure I'd be looking for um, until, you know, Zion's able to take a sub, which I'm sure he'll only pay like play like five minute stretches at a time, be like capped at 20 minutes when he gets back, but you know, we're talking when he's more ready for, for starter type minutes. So uh, that's the way I would look at it. Now, Zion coming in, uh, I guess I just kind of touched upon it. Do you, do you anticipate him having restrictions and um, do you think they're going to last for the duration of the season? Uh, I think back to backs will. Uh, I don't, I, I, I would expect him to eventually get up to playing normal, minutes and that doesn't mean he's going to play 35 to 40 a night I think the Pelicans if you think if you look back to the AD era I think the rookie year for AD I don't think he was playing that many minutes but I could be wrong on that but that's kind of that's what I remember and so I think you know if he's if he can get up to around 30 minutes a night low 30s I think that's a good spot um, but yeah I, I would think they'll keep him out of back-to-backs just for an abundance of caution um, any any disagreements there um, I think the minute restrictions might last. 
for the duration of the season, but I think they'll be up to like 30 or like 33 or something. We'll see. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, what about I the, think, no, go so what about the, the back end? Uh, so like, no, first of all, first the starting lineup, but next who, how does the end of the rotation change? Who falls out? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I would, I would eliminate jazz minutes entirely. I mean, I would have done that now, <laughs> but I would eliminate jazz minutes entirely. Uh, I think he's gone. I think Kendrick's minutes die a little bit. But he's been not receiving that many minutes right now anyway. So it's weird for me because, okay, let's assume starters Drew, JJ, Ingram, Zion, Favors. That's five players. Yep. Your first off the bench, Lonzo. Second off the bench, Etwan. Uh, if you're going, are you going number of minutes? Or are you going order of people coming off the bench? Let's go minutes. Okay. Uh, seventh. It's. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where I start to not really know the answer. Um, I think it's each one, um, but there's, I mean, you have each one, you have Hart, you have Cambridge. I mean, like, what what's the? So that's that's your your next four, right? So that's nine players. So you're four off the bench: Lonzo, Etwan, Hart, Kenrich. That's your one through four. And and Jax is is the five, right? So you got you've got we got ten to talk about. I, mean, I think that's I think those are the ten that we have to figure out where where the minutes come out of. And I know you mentioned you mentioned Ja, and it seems like he's mostly out of the rotation now, apart from the the, the occasions where they don't Gentry doesn't want Jax banging with dudes way bigger than him, um, but. Yeah, so from there, it's where does who gets cut? Because you can't. I don't think. I, I mean, I guess you could. Gentry could roll out a ten-man rotation on a nightly basis because it, he wants this team to run so much, and you're not going to throw a ton of minutes at Zion from day one. But but yeah, um, it's a it's a tricky question. Yeah, I mean, I think Jax's minutes gets cut a little bit because there will be lineups with, with Zion at the center. Yep. And well, well here's the question: Is does Melly? get reinserted with the lineup with, with Zion in there. You run a four or five with Zion and Melly. It's only, only Zion specific lineups though. Yeah. I don't, I hope not. And, and I get it like that, that looked really good in preseason, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, to bring so dude like that cold off the bench for like five minutes or six minutes a night in specific lineups. It's just, I don't, I'm not in favor of it. I, I'd rather get other guys minutes, but um but I mean, who who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I guess the second part of Zion coming back is, you know, the Pelicans are not too far out from a standing standpoint uh, to make a run for the playoffs. The schedule does get easier with 14 of the last 15 games the Pelicans are going to play being against teams that are under 500. Let's Let's talk playoffs. We did... We talked playoffs a few months back where we both came to the conclusion, like, okay, it's possible they make a run. Since then, they've gone on a 13-game losing streak and been a total disaster, say, for this last bit. Do you still feel they can make a run? Where are you at in that? Yeah, I mean, they can make a run. I, 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 it's still not likely. I mean, I think we may overstate you, you look at the standings and you see, Oh, four games back or whatever it is. Um, and that, that sounds great when you have like 45 to 50 games to play. Like, yeah, we can make that up. Schedule it's easier. We're getting Zion back. Like that makes sense. What, what tends to get glossed over 
is the fact that there's also six other teams between the Spurs and the Pelicans and, or five other teams, excuse me. You've got Portland, you've got Phoenix, you've got Minnesota, Sacramento, and Memphis. And so those teams are all thinking the same thing. I mean, there, there are some traffic implications there and teams may kind of start to punt as the season goes longer. And I haven't looked at what the other, all the other strength of schedules are for those other teams, but they got to they got to jump a lot of teams. And so that a lot of things have to break right for them to make it. They can, I would not rule that rule it out yet, but it's going to be challenging. Yeah. I mean, if you guys haven't read Jason's article on, on the website, bourbontreechats.com, take a nice read. <laughs> take, I mean, if you don't know what site we are at this point, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe we have some listeners that really aren't site listeners, like site readers and yeah. whatever. Um, if you haven't read Jason's article, take a look. He takes a really good high level approach. And, and this is without him, you know, factoring in potential roster moves. Like maybe the Pelicans are going to be buyers. Maybe OKC is going to be a seller, whatever, whatever, because it's impossible to predict what's going to happen there. So he just takes a straight look at what he thinks is the likelihood the Pelicans jump all these teams. And let me tell you, it's, it's not pretty because anytime, like what you need is the Pelicans to do really well. They need to win at a clip they have not won at so even if you win in like at a, a 600 clip that's you need help from other teams in terms of them dropping games they shouldn't uh they, they they shouldn't win and then they also need the pelicans to do stuff they never have done this season before so it's it's, it's a tough ask i think the pelicans are more likely to win at the clip that they need to, just given the strength of schedule and, and them finding their footing, then there are other teams that are going to play along because all it takes is one team being decent, like going 500 over a stretch where the Pelicans go uh, 600, and, and they're able to keep pace. And, and I think it becomes unlikely. So it's easy to get excited about playoff hopes. I, I, I don't recommend it, but... Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do think the Pelicans are liable to be a lot more successful to close a season than they were to start it. Yeah, I, I think a couple interesting things here that, can, that may benefit the Pelicans. One is they've got a lot of games left. Uh, by virtue of that strength of schedule, they've got a lot of games left against some of these teams that are in front of them. I don't think they played the Spurs yet this year, unless I'm going crazy. Um, same deal with Memphis. So... Right? They've got eight games total against those teams still? Yep. I think it's right. Yeah. And so, uh, and then all the other teams, I mean, so they've beaten Portland a couple of times somehow. <laughs> and then uh, they have the tiebreaker against Portland, which is important. Yep. That is important. Uh, they're, they've split against Phoenix. Uh, and I don't know if some of these teams outside of their division, and I don't remember who they played three versus four times. But I mean, point being, there's still a lot of games left they have to play against these teams. So they can, they can do a lot of the work on their own. And so the, I, I, they don't control their own destiny by any stretch, but um, well, I guess technically they do. There's enough games left in the season. If they were to win out, <laughs> they'll make the playoffs. But I mean, a lot of things have to go right, but at the same time, they can do a lot of the work themselves by beating these teams in front of them. So they've got a lot of games left. The, the second thing, and it ties back to other the conversations we had, I can't remember which podcast it was, but talking about how the Pelicans want to approach uh, the trade deadline and the off season. I mean, you can simultaneously, uh, flip uh, if you're going to flip uh, a contract like Darius Miller uh, for a team that wants to get out of some money uh, that 
maybe you trade a guy like Darius Miller and packed him with someone else for a player who has value uh, on the floor, but his contract may extend an additional year. So you get it, you, you trade Miller for a contract that maybe you can use the following, the following season uh, as an expiring. And also maybe that player can help you on the floor a little bit. I mean, that's not, you're not going to get a game changer by any stretch, but uh, you could take a contract that another team might view as not great and have that player help on the floor. And also, you know, if you just kind of assume that the Pelicans aren't going to be, aren't going to have cap space, aren't going to be players in free agency this summer, then you secure advantage on the floor this year and uh, as a trade chip next year. Okay. So that brings me to my question. If the Pelicans were to make a trade for a player, one, what type of player should that be? And two, whose spot in that nine or 10 man rotation that we talked about is that player going to take? Because you're not going to trade for a non-rotation player. And, right. you know, and, and you likely, and, and I guess, yeah, who would you move and, and what, how would you go about that? Yeah, um, I think it's a, I think it's got to be a ball handler. It's got to be a point guard. Uh, if you're trying to find someone in the, to, to really take a spot in the rotation, it's not going to be, I mean, you're not going to have anyone take, just for developmental reasons, I don't think you bring in a five uh, because you've got Favors and Jackson Hayes. And at this point, if you're trying to bring in a guy just to be injury insurance, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to cut Jackson Hayes out of the rotation with the way he played the start of the year. So it's not a five. Um, I don't think it's a four because you've got Zion and then you can, you can slide enough guys like B.I. or even Kenrich down to the four and take those minutes. So I think it's a, it's a backcourt it's a, it, it's a, it's a ball handler, a guy who can take more pressure off whether it's the second unit or even off of drew in some pinches. I think that's, that's the player I'd look for as for the, who, who that person is. I, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think, I think I don't agree. Okay. I think, Good. <laughs> yeah, I think the Pelicans have too many guards and obviously to move, uh, someone they would have to move their guards. Um, each mm-hmm. one's a prime candidate. Guys yeah. like Frank are a prime candidate. But if I'm bringing a ball handler, I mean, I'd rather just give those minutes to Nikhil. Uh, I I really want the Pelicans to bring in a legitimate three-four, uh, a player that can play both those positions comfortably. I talked about Michael Kill Gil- Gil- Michael Kidd Gilchrist MKG uh, yeah. in our group chat. I think. I'm fine decreasing Kenrich's minutes mm-hmm. and giving them to someone who might be better, especially because Zion's going to be in and out of the lineup, going to have some restrictions. Uh, and you definitely need some insurance on that forefront because when, when Zion was out, Kenrich has been our best option there. I mean, you talked about sliding people up or giving people minutes. I think that's less than ideal. I, I'd rather have a legitimate player that knows what they're doing there and won't compromise the defense from a size uh, perspective. And MKG is someone who I think will help our defense tremendously and is even someone you could close games with when you're playing Zion at the five, so to speak. Yeah, fair enough. No, I, I think that makes sense. My, my thought was also – so MKG is a good name, uh, and I would, I would agree with you that he's an upgrade from Cambridge and could play, uh, could get rotation minutes on this team. Uh, I, just, I also was trying to think about availability, and I, not that – I haven't gotten down to the, oh, what players and what teams might be available, but just generally speaking, I feel like there are more rotation lead, like point guard type players than there are 
those kind of hybrid three fours that uh, maybe more of a scarcer scarcer resource. But um, again, that's that's not founded in me looking through each team's rotations and figure out who might be available. That's just a general well, a, league. Let me let me concept. expand upon that. A, a three four or a four or five. That's what I'd be looking for. Okay. And and there, I think there are more four or fives. So you just look at the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and you know if you get someone like like Taj Gibson, I think he could help. If you get someone like I wouldn't want any of the Morais Morris twins on my team. <laughs> Morais, <laughs> I wouldn't want them. But you know, there's someone you could give all of Kendrick's minutes to, and you'd be fine. Um, if you get a a Tad Young, who you know I don't know what the hell the Bulls are doing. Yeah. he's someone that can work out there. And I think, you know, I, just, I would love that. Yep. So it's just someone with the ability that was someone that has the size and the ability to play up or down a position at, at that four spot. And and yeah. that's I, what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, and the, the trick there with, for a four or five, I just, I just really don't want whoever they bring in to, to have the potential to take away Jax's minutes. And like if they're, if they get down the stretch and really feel like, Oh, we can make a push for the playoffs. I just don't want to see Jack spend the last dozen games on the bench. I, I, and, and that I feel like if you bring in a guy like Taj, as much as I like him, that, that is, that might be bound to happen. Um, Tad Young, I think is a better uh, option as someone who could potentially play the, a little bit at the three if in a pinch. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm wary of the four or five guy. Um, that that's all, but three, four, I, I, I hear you on that for sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just like, you know, if you have another situation when Derek favors goes down and like, what are you left with? You know, you have a situation with, with, with Zion out of lineup, like, what are you left with there? So that's, that's what I'm looking at. Is you have a situation if, if Lonzo gets hurt, then and you still have Drew as a playmaker. You can get in Nikhil some minutes, and you can make do at the point guard, especially with, with B.I. being able to handle the ball and Zion coming back. You know, if, if Drew goes down, it's a little bit harder because you can take a huge hit on your perimeter defense. But, again, like, you, you can build a team that does the things you needed to do around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't want this to – I feel like it, maybe I'm – it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth by saying I want Jax to make sure he keeps getting consistent backup minutes, but also looking for a lead guard, which would mean Nikhil's season is effectively over <laughs> for the Pelicans this year. I just – you know, when it, comes, when it comes down to it, we've seen that Jax can be a serviceable NBA player at, even though he's only 19 years old. We just haven't seen that yet from Nikhil, apart from preseason and summer league. I just don't have that level of confidence yet. So – I, I'm okay with him getting minutes if he proves that he can be that guy, but he just, and I, and I think he can be, I just don't know if it's this season. Yeah, I agree. I think my motivations have, have come from watching that last Lakers game and then just kind of looking ahead. It's like, who do the Pelicans have that are, that are going to tangle with some of those guys? And if you just get one solid player that can tangle with one of those guys, and I think that makes a world of difference. Yeah, and I, I just so looking at some of the some of the teams between or the teams that play a bunch of games against. I, don't know, I just maybe it's you're not going to have the obviously I know you know this, but you're not going to have the AD LeBron matchup every night. I mean, you're going to have. I, I think a lot of these teams don't have a ton of size to be too worried about in the sense that the Pelicans don't have the enough to handle it. Um, but again, you're, you're, you're right that they're just, they're one injury away, away from that not being the case. Right. Anywho, I think that was a good look at uh, 
going forward and if we should expect the Pelicans to make the playoffs or not. I think you and I are clearly both rooting for it to happen. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we're rooting, rooting for losses. Nope. Especially not with this draft class. No, not with, not with this, this draft class. But uh, go, go Anthony Edwards and, and go Killian Hayes. Those are, those are two guys that I wouldn't mind having on this Pelicans team going forward. But, no, I think the Pelicans – are in a good situation to make this season successful, even if they don't make the playoffs. And I think that's meaningful going into next season. And I think it's meaningful going into free agency and it's meaningful in terms of selling yourself on the belief because you can easily tell yourself, okay, well, the first half of the year was derailed by injuries. This is what we really are. Is there, is there any guy that you think that you would target? Let's assume that it's not DD and it's not your, your, great idea from a few weeks back with Joakim Noah. Is there a guy you look at and say, all right, I want to use the disabled player exception we got from Darius Miller to bring in somebody who you think fills the role you were just talking about, who's not on the team right now? Or is that, you know, Jeff Green. That <laughs> That's right. He hasn't signed <laughs> with anyone, has he? Jeff Green. He's going to turn the ship around. Darren Collison. <laughs> I guess he's not interested yeah, in coming to New Orleans, but he's, he's coming he's back like, to New Orleans. I want to go to LA or I want to go to LA. That's what Terry Collison said. He's like, I gave up $10 million a year and I retired. And then I decided actually I want to be back in the NBA. So I want to go to LA or LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, is it, so Jeff Green, which I totally did not realize, did not remember that he did not sign with a new team yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he fits exactly the guy you're talking about. Um, any, anyone else? I, I can't think of anyone, but. I mean, I, uh, people that are like readily available. Nah, no, no one else. Yeah. No one else. I can't. I mean, yeah, no. Nah. Well, Jeff Green, though. <laughs> no, we would have no two Jared. uncles on the team. You would have Uncle Jeff Green <laughs> and then Uncle E. <laughs> this is what the team uh, needs from a locker room standpoint. I'm telling you. Griff knows this. Yeah. He's just is waiting. It, what about uh, not, a, not a Shump fan? No, I don't see what Shump gives you over like Josh Hart, yeah, or Etwan. I don't, I don't want a two-three type player. I really don't. Another six-five, six-six player. You can't play power forward, even for a little bit. Then I don't want you. How about uh, what about Ryan Anderson? Gross. <laughs> Gross. So he's not a 3-4. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he's whatever he wants to be. <laughs> but he's not on the Pelicans roster, and he shouldn't be that. I just pulled up a list of on Forbes, an updated list of the best 15 best NBA free agents. Uh, Dante Cunningham is on that list. <laughs> there we go. That's the guy I'm talking about. There you go. <laughs> That's what we've needed. <laughs> Fareed's also on there. And Luol Deng. Freed's an interesting one. Uh, I would not have picked him up. Dang, I would have liked for locker room purposes. I just don't know what he's left got left in the tank. Um, I, I still think Simmons. That's a three four. Nah, he's he's more of a two three. Uh, I still think it's MKG. Just I want a guy that is. He's he's honestly a tremendous defender, and if he was ever on teams that were like legitimately good, he would get all defense awards. He would, and 
he's also fantastic in transition and he's been stuck on slow, slow Charlotte teams. I would like to see him on this team. I'd be I'd sign me up for that. There's also a guy in, in Memphis who's getting decent minutes and making all of his threes. His name is Solomon Hill. I don't know if you've heard of him. I, w- I would take Solo back. I don't want to. <laughs> Solo's my friend. <laughs> so, I will have Solo's another not, buddy to talk to. Solo is not Graham, Graham's friend, but he's everyone else's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I will, I will, I will take Solo back. You remember, it's apparently Gentry's fault that Solo is making all his threes in Memphis. Yeah, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Uh, Solo would be great for this locker. He actually talks. He would hold people accountable. Yeah. That's why we're losing this year. We don't have Solomon Hill. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's a good place to end the podcast because if we've talked about Solomon Hill, we've gone too far. So I hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, this bonus episode here. Thanks for listening. everyone my name is colin kelly and i have one question for you do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021 then be sure to check out rotoviz overtime and all the other rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on blue wire we've got you covered for all things fantasy football subscribe to rotoviz overtime today